Hi, Avid Lissa, and welcome to episode number 45 of Fitness Unfiltered. Today is, let's call this the IFS Roundup. For those of you that aren't familiar, that's the International Fitness Summit, which I did not attend, and very rarely do I get FOMO, but I had serious FOMO with this one. Um, but Mike and Emma did attend, so I'm keen, and I genuinely, I haven't actually had an opportunity to catch up with the guys yet, so I'm really keen to uh, to hear everything from the weekend, because again, just checking out Instagram and social media, it looked pretty damn good. How are you both? I'm fine. I'm also fine. We are perfectly on brand today, aren't we? Perfectly. I'm fine also, by the way. Is that an ice cream van in the background as well? Yeah, That's the most that? unbrand <laughs> thing I've heard from Fitness Unfiltered so far. <laughs> Yeah, he pulls right outside of my house. I don't know why that is. Mm, must mean something. But anywho, so <laughs> how was it? Just like one word to, to summarise the weekend from both of you to begin, and then we can delve into the nitty gritty. I would say epic is my word. Oh, that's quite a good one. Okay. I'm going to say... Oh, do you know what you should say, Emma? What? Sick. Sick. Sick, bro. But that's true. Somebody told me that it, when I told them that I was a GP, they said, that's sick. And I was like, well, it is kind of sick, actually. That's what I do. How old were they? Um, I didn't ask for her age, actually. Sorry, that's yeah, that's ageist and sexist all in one. I, I, I take back my question. <laughs> um, yeah, so from what I can gather, and I, I don't know whether anyone else will, uh, listener-wise, if you weren't at the International Fitness Summit, it's a body power, but abroad... Is that correct? Oh, I or don't not? think they'll like it's, that. No. no. Well, they're not. No. Well, we're, we're, you know, we're unfiltered. I'm just giving my... my but do you know what? It really wasn't like that. It wasn't at all. There no. was no well, supplement there was, companies. There was yeah. no trying to There was no commercial stuff. aspect, really. And from what I can gather, this was a little bit more education-focused. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, so it, it was entirely education. Well, it was entirely education and social focus. So there was no, no commercial aspect. There were no kind of companies selling products or um, having samples well. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and shamelessly, can, can we just say as well, our very own Emma was talking there doing her thing because she was doing what she does best. And I thought well, that was really cool. Oh, she was. And Mike she was, was there supporting, being her number excellent. one cheerleader as well. Yeah, she was absolutely excellent. I not only went to her talks, but I also had the great privilege of holding up a big reflecty light thingy so You're that she could have a photo a, shoot by the as a GP <laughs> I know it was, it was incredible <laughs> I think I mean, my I, favorite thing was when people were like oh are you like Jamie's assistant and Mike's like no <laughs> um but yeah that. someone thought I was I someone thought I was <laughs> Jamie's PA I'm his personal doctor yeah but you know uh, it was it was really interesting actually it was interesting being there from a non- fitness background as well and being kind of like observing it all and, and learning a lot about um I mean like, like there was a lot of business related chat as well as fitness sort of chat so there were fitness workshops and training sessions but there were also kind of business talks and also fitnessy talks as well um but you know it, it was a big I would say it was a it was like a I mean and I, and I think IFS would probably say this was kind of it was it was their the, the brainchild of like a, a progression of the fitness industry of a, of a kind of acceptance that for a while now the fitness industry has been based on a lot of things like aesthetics um, and you know has been sort of has felt somewhat inaccessible to a, a vast number of different groups of people um, so James Smith actually did a really a really cool speech on the first day talking about how 
you know, a lot of fitness expos and a lot of fitness events are aimed at people who are, um, you know, in really great shape and, and are kind of walking around with their tops off and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas what he felt was that we were, you know, and he, he obviously said this all in a much more direct way than I'm going to say it, but he kind of felt that we were missing out a huge group of people and those aren't the people that need the fitness industry. The people that need the fitness industry are people with, you know, medical conditions, type 2 diabetes and, and lifestyle related illnesses and all of those sorts of things. And the industry needs to be more focused on being inclusive to all of those people and to make them feel welcome at events like this so that people of all shapes and sizes can be learning about fitness, getting involved in fitness and actually having it change their lives. Um, and that was it was a really important thing. And he was talking about how over the last few years, people have gone from exercising to training. So, you know, whereas he said that he felt like in the past, a lot of women would be going to the gym to walk on a treadmill, whereas now you see, you know, women lifting really heavy weights, not being too scared of getting too quote unquote bulky, eating decent amounts of calories and getting protein in um, and, and, and lifting weights, not just exercising, which, um, you know, was, was really cool to hear about. Yeah, it sounds kind of refreshing as well um, and more realistic because, I mean, we've discussed it many times before on the podcast in terms of content people often put out and it's, it's often targeted at peers. I mean, I think everyone likes to kid themselves and tell them they're putting out stuff that's going to be a benefit to the people that truly need it. But a lot of the time it's just to impress peers. So that's a really refreshing take on it. And from a speaker point of view, Em, how did you find it in terms of setup and how you're treated and everything else? Yeah, it was awesome. I think what I was most worried about before I went is I was like, right, it's going to be Barcelona, really hot. No one's going to actually want to go to any talks. They're going to want to sit by the pool. And like the hotel was amazing. The pool was amazing. But actually, people did go to the talks. And I think, you know, especially like James set quite a good example there that he went and sat in on the talks. He wasn't all, you know, yeah, of course, he was by the pool a bit and so was everyone else. But it wasn't just like, oh, it's a total party. If I'm not speaking, I don't care. It was actually quite, I want to hear what everyone else is saying and a lot of engagement there. And, And I think most people who had bought the tickets to go to the talks did go to the talks. So... I was impressed with that sense as well and kind of how serious things were taken. Although, you know, as as usual, some things were late and things like that, but it wasn't like someone didn't turn up for a talk or... Yeah, so I think the setup was pretty good. I was almost frustrated because I was like, I really want to go to the pool, but there's this really amazing talk that I want to go and listen to. And it was it was great because there was there was a real variety and wealth of different things to listen to. And... What I thought they did really well as well was that they brought a lot of speakers in who I've not heard speak before. Um, and it was great to see like a bit of... So like I've never um, I'd never seen the fitness chef speak before. I was really surprised to hear that Ben Carpenter hadn't done talks before. Like That was his first talk. Yeah, but um, we were like his second podcast. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's pretty cool. Um, and obviously, um, you know... Ollie Carson as well, our very own Ollie Carson did a did a talk too, and that was awesome to see. Um, and yeah, and and seeing people like, you know, I think I think the you know the, the word influencer, a lot of people get, you know, a bad rap because they are influencers. But sometimes we can forget that people who have huge social media followings also are there for a reason and have huge social media followings for a reason and have a lot of really important, really helpful things sometimes. to say. 
sometimes. To be um, fair, no, I'm not saying that in a bitchy way. I just mean actually the people that were invited to speak at this. Absolutely, I agree. But I don't think everyone with the social media following. Yeah, has no, it no, for I the agree right with reason. that. And it was there interesting. There seems to be a real level of mutual respect amongst all the speakers as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and mutual respect among to the audience and the speakers as well. It was all very inclusive. There was, you know, there were there were very empty VIP areas because all of the speakers were hanging out with everyone yeah, else. Really there was cool. no, and there were a lot of like I didn't. Um, there were some speakers. I'm sorry, I would prefer you referred to me as a headline artist, which is oh, what I was. Okay, yeah, thank so, you. <laughs> thank so, you. so so some of the headline artists even hung out with the, with the rest of the people. But the mere mortals. It was really interesting because there were because I I didn't. There were a few people speaking. I didn't actually know of their work before. Um, before going obviously I'm not like so integral in the fitness industry or in you know Instagram so I, I, I there were a few people that I hadn't heard of yeah Mike doesn't and really do Instagram no I don't really do no I've not really heard of it before I don't I don't often post no I'm no. not I'm not one to post to social media um, that's not true obs but um yeah and I, I was I remember being just like watching people speak as the first introduction to their content and going this person has some awesome stuff to say and particularly exemplary of that was the um the mental health panel um yeah well, i was fascinated to ask you about that actually because um mr paul Mook, who I'm a, I'm a massive fan of i don't mind fanboying boying on our own podcast about him um no, was one one of the many but how refreshing to see all those people in that position of influence opening up and talking about mental health yeah it was amazing and I always, as a as a medical professional, I am always a bit wary of of um, of how mental health discussions go because it is such a, such a sensitive arena, and um, we have to be very careful of our audience and careful of who's listening because mental health is a very sensitive subject. Well, I also and- think, it, or my biggest worry is that you can, you can do more harm than good just exactly. with words. Exactly. And that's why I think people like it's probably not the main reason that people don't speak about it, but it's one of them. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was massively reassured that when I saw that Paul was presenting the mental health panel because I have an enormous amount of respect for him, um, I, and I think that he's got a, a decent amount of of personal experience, and he he approached that from from that point of view. And they had some really honest and open discussions that were all you know super appropriate in terms of scope of practice but really helpful offering tools and it was really aimed at the kind of issues that are faced within that realm so it was quite specific and and the thing that I found most striking about it was that we had a talk about mental health that didn't mention doctors and it didn't mention medications and that just reminded me I did an Instagram post about this not that I post to Instagram very often but um it was really interesting because it reminded me as a doctor, like we always think that we are like what I see of mental health is mental health. But I forget that there's a huge world of mental health out there that isn't reaching my door. That is, you know, there's, there's mental well-being and there's mental health and there's mental illness, which is what I see more of. Although obviously I do see a lot of mental health related things as well. Um, but it's interesting to, to, to remember that the GP isn't the port of the first port of call for everybody. A lot of people are out there reading self help books, um, trying to trying to self help, trying to meditate, practicing mindfulness, um, you know, and, and learning about ways to be more resilient, how to protect their own mental health. 
And that's really, really interesting. And it's a really important part of the conversation that, you know, we talked about where, you know, how we instill those tools in people. Like, should that be coming from healthcare? Should it be coming from education? Um, that was a, a question I asked on on the panel and it was it was a really fascinating discussion. So on that panel, you had um, Paul Moore, obviously, uh, Lucy Mountain, Megan Rose Lane, um, Phil Graham and James Smith as well. And it was just it was really fascinating. And it was we talked a lot about the impacts of social media on mental health and how to protect ourselves from that. And and who better to talk about stuff like that than people who have spent a lot of time on their phone on apps trying to build a following. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy to get lost in that and to and to forget that you're in the real world as well. Um, and they've probably faced it on a bigger level than than any of us do. Yeah, and I think it's you, important that you stress the point there as well because you distinguish between the two because I think mental health, when it's still raised, is still a massive taboo and people think mental health, they think mental illness, but actually everyone has mental health and everyone has a responsibility to take care of their own. Mental health and mental illness are, are two different things. But exactly. I, I think as long as that narrative is going and, you know, these people in positions of influence are addressing this stuff, you know, that, that's going to be hugely beneficial to all I think I hope so and I and you know it was a it was a really positive step and it's not you know it's not unique to IFS but it's just really really great to see it high on the agenda mm. um, from the get-go really yeah and Em you mentioned the networking aspects of it as well yeah but I wanted to speak about so when Mike went to the mental health panel I went to so he's talk okay which was really really good and I don't know, I think because, I'm not saying I know everything, I absolutely do not, but I wouldn't say I necessarily learned anything new, but the way that she presented and put things across, I was like, wow, that's a really like snappy way to put that across. And I think it's something that's really helpful for other coaches. So you might like, I don't know, another coach might come to one of my talks and think, well, I didn't learn anything, but actually maybe I learned how to say something in a yeah, different way to that's going to resonate. Message. Yeah, exactly. Communication is so important. So there were a few, a few like really simple things that she said that I was just like, oh, like that's just a good way to put that. Um, and I put a post up about it earlier, but one of them was, you may not always be able to control what you eat, but you can tr- can control how much you eat. Again, such a simple concept, but a lot of people will use that as an excuse when they're dieting. So oh, you know, I had to go out for a meal, so there wasn't anything particularly good on the menu, so I had to eat all of this. You didn't have to lick your plate clean. Or (laughs) I think the most common one is like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to my in-laws for dinner. I'm not going to be really picky. Absolutely not. Like, you know, you're having a family meal. Great. But you don't have to eat the massive portion sizes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the second one was you're only one meal away from getting back on track. And I think the common thing to say is, and I realise I say it all the time, is, just get straight back on track the next day. It's like, why? Yeah. Why, wait well, why are we waiting till tomorrow? Yeah. 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 My whole I love waiting till tomorrow, though, because it means you get to eat more chocolate. Yeah, but mm. um, I was going to say, yeah. like, you, you and I am, we, you'll have those certain clients where, unfortunately, half a day of self-tabotage can undo a hell of a lot of work. Oh, 100%. And it's not just the the odd one, one or two things, you know, in air quotations, bad or less favourable for, for their goals after that. It's a whole day of binging for some of them. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm being facetious with my chocolate comment. That was the, <laughs> yeah, definitely But, the I mean, that's, that is the point. Is, and it always tends to be like, oh, you know, I had a bad day and you're trying to get them back on track for the next day. Mm. But actually, why not just get straight back on track for the next meal? 
makes yeah. a hell of a lot more sense. That's been refined over time, hasn't it? It's kind of gone. People have gone through things uh, from. Oh, I'll start again next week. And we've gone. No, no, no. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's just start mm. things next day. And now it's no. Actually, look, you've had yeah. that. That's fine. Let's get back on track in a couple of hours or right away. Yeah. Or actually, you're halfway through that meal. You decide you're full, but you think oh, I'm just gonna eat. No, just get straight. Like, why eat it now? Like you're full. You've enjoyed. Yeah. The first couple of slices of pizza it doesn't mean you have to finish the pizza and then wait till the next meal to get back on track you can be like okay yeah. i had enough done it's an interesting topic and i think perhaps for another podcast but that that whole inner monologue of overanalyzing something mm. that we do because where does that then sway into okay it's perfectly acceptable and should be to be mindful of your goals but when does that inner monologue become all-consuming and actually it becomes an obsessing over your food and worrying too much about something. It's such can, a spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that on another one. But um, from a networking point of view, you, you bumped into a few people you perhaps weren't familiar with, that it was um, wor- worth your was, time from that? It was amazing to meet the PT Hub guys because I use it a lot, a lot, of, well, obviously all of my clients use it, but a lot of the PTs that I worked with as well use it. And it's well, you recommended it to me, Em. Yeah, exactly. I, I We've had a call of me it. showing yeah. you through it. So, I mean, it's it's really integral to my business, actually. And it was quite exciting to meet them and hear about, like, the new developments on that front. They were like excellent that. people. Yeah, and also they were just awesome people. So it was really nice to get to know them. And, and one other thing I want to say that was said really well in So He's Talk, which isn't new information either, but just, like, clicked for me. And it was about the intuitive eating movement. And it was a study that showed that actually for weight loss, calorie restriction still trumps intuitive eating. And then she said, but intuitive eating is not a weight loss intervention, which I know that we all know and have have been told before. But yeah, I think it was just the context of that study and those like just saying that, that I was like, oh yeah, like that's... Yeah. And what I was... I was having a chat with Ben Carpenter and Sohi and Katie Crew, and they were saying intuitively eating is what everybody thinks intuitive eating is, but it's not. Eating, in, sorry, eating intuitively is not intuitive eating. Um, they're two yeah, entirely different Yeah, which is exactly things. what we got wrong when we first, or, or I think it was me actually that got that wrong when we first started speaking about it. But then my point is that the problem is that's everyone's interpretation. So it doesn't matter if mm. that's not actually what it is. That's what people think it is. And I think that's kind of similar to the health at any size movement, even though maybe we interpreted what or I interpreted what that was wrong. Yeah. It doesn't hugely matter because I know that the general population have interpreted it as that because that's what the the sign on the sort of door says. It needs a better name. Any yeah. size. But it's, it's amongst... like if that's not what it means, then there's a problem with the message being put behind that. Yeah. I think it gets lost, lost in translation because... The conversation often revolves around body composition, but actually with intuitive eating, it's a non-diet intervention, yet some somehow people are crowbarring it in with fat loss, which yeah. they're, t- they're two separate entities, like they shouldn't even be discussed at the same time. But then are they, because people are sort of saying dieting is wrong, we should just use intuitive eating. But people like it's well. It's that's where the boundaries. If you all accept, yeah. If you're avoiding diet, diet culture, and you are anti-diet, then yeah, it's you know they 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 should be separate. But yeah, it gets skewed, doesn't it? And it's that whole interpretation of the information that's out there. And if that subject is particularly triggering for you, you're going to bite on anything that you read anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the parties. I've seen many pictures of the parties, the pool parties. 
were they as good as they looked? So the evenings were an interesting aspect of the event. Um, I wasn't quite sure what they would be like, but I think the guys that, that organised it have a background in organising festivals. Um, so it felt like no expense was spared to put on decent en- uh, entertainment for the evening. So they had some DJs, poolside party, um, they had a beach party on the last night, which actually we didn't go to because we had partied enough. Um, and there was a club night that, that people went to after um, we'd been out for an evening. So it was like, you know, some people were just sort of stayed back in the hotel bar and were just chatting till the early hours of the morning, which is generally one of my favourite things to do, um, accompanied by some gin and tonics. And some people went out to clubs. Um, some people went to the beach parties, like I said. Um, but it was all pretty much... Um, what you make of it I think um, and it, there was there was levels of partying to suit every taste I would say including Emma who chose apples and Earl Grey tea as her um, party method of choice didn't you Em? That was a great choice actually I very much the apples why are the apples in foreign countries so much better than here like fruit tastes that amazing. was probably grown down the road yeah. wasn't it not imported Down from anywhere. Do you know what else tastes really yeah. amazing Same. from um, foreign countries? Pastry. Oh, great Pastry and I was bread. I was going to say not ten not ten euros bottles of 750, water. Seven fifty. Seven fifty. I paid oh for a bottle of water. Oh sorry. Yeah, it, and then I didn't drink it. I took it down to I took it down to breakfast where exactly <laughs> the same bottles of water were free. Um, it was very upsetting, but you know these things happen. Dan, what did you do with your bank holiday weekend? Was it the bank? It wasn't the bank holiday, was it? You went. It was the weekend before. No, it was the bank holiday. No. Well, this week. Oh, of course it was. Of course it was. I, that is. I've I've worked pretty much. I sound like an incredibly boring person, but I worked all bank holiday weekend. Oh. This isn't going to be exciting oh. for the listeners at all. Maybe we'll go back to talking about IFS. <laughs> yes, um, IFS next year. Is that going to happen? Do you know? I hope so. It does sound like they're in the yes, process of, um, I think of arranging so. it at the moment and there's sign-up things to sign up for next time. And I'm not sure it whether it will be in the same place or whether it will be elsewhere. Uh, big, bigger, better or the I same? I think elsewhere. I, I'm sure it can I'm only sure be, it'll be bigger, bigger and better. better. I, think, I think it was the first It was the first round of the event. So most people who, who booked to go to it were, were basically doing so on, on blind faith. Um, and yeah, so I think it will be... Uh, I'm sure that it will be bigger and better this time. I was going to talk about the girls with the tattoos, but I can't say the word oh, that what, they t- have tattoos team, um, Good. Yeah. Meh. Gosh. R- rhymes, yeah. Who rhymes, else can we talk rhymes about? Rhymes with a Jer- Jeremy Hunt surname. We, we, had, we yeah. met a lot of other excellent people. Like We met Graham, the fitness chef, didn't we? He's a fellow um, Scottish national like Emma. Uh, he was from Scotland. Oh God, he I was excellent. I don't yeah, even think of you coming from Scotland very, very anymore. Nice. I am currently I know. in Scotland. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, he was excellent. He did a really, really good talk on um, whether clean eating is again a swear wording, um, nutritional science, um, and that was really interesting. Like talking about. How, you know how clean eating has changed people's concepts of nutrition and, and why um, not for the better um, and that was a really great talk and it included some references to some interesting Instagram debates to, 
celery juice and all of that kind of stuff as well. Um, Dan Price did talks. Um, who else haven't we mentioned? Yeah, it was yeah, really Dan nice to meet awesome. Dan, actually. And um, I got to meet uh, Lottie and Harry for the first time as well. Um, Harry Ranson and Lottie Tullock. They were excellent people. So what I kind of wanted to explore a little bit is that, okay, we might not be quite there yet, but the industry does seem to be moving a little bit further forwards in that it's come more full circle in that, you know, some might associate other expos or summits or conferences, whatever that may be, as a little bit more elitist, but this seemed more accessible to all and more representative of the people it should truly be helping. Do you guys kind of feel that as well? I felt like that was definitely the, that's definitely the aim of it. Um, I think it takes a long time for tide to turn in, in that sort of thing. So I think a lot of stuff is going to be based on people's perception. So I suspect that there were a lot of people who saw adverts for a fitness expo in Barcelona and assumed it would be a lot of topless people by a pool um, and that they might not fit in at that sort of event. But I, I don't feel that was represented by the situation. Well, I feel... Like, it was a lot of topless people by the pool, but it was a welcoming lot of topless people by the pool. And it wasn't just like, you have to have a six-pack to take your top off here. It was like quite, like we were just saying, a lot of different shapes and sizes. No one really cared what you looked like. It was more about what you were saying, which I think is a huge thing. And I also think that other areas of the industry are moving towards that as well. Like, even if you look at body power this year compared to a few years ago how much more education is there and how much more emphasis on not just what people look like but what people are saying and I think we have to accept that to some extent the fitness industry is always going to have an element of yeah. what people look like and it, it's similar like Dan we discussed this a couple of times before but you know as a personal trainer you are your own business card to some extent and now being in shape is not enough to be a good personal trainer um, and being out of shape doesn't mean that you're not a good personal trainer but frankly having both is going to set you yeah. up quite well and that said you know conversely we've got the opposite as well is that there are some people in ridiculous shape that when they put out educational content is questionable to uh, to put it politely yeah yeah so really i think it's yeah. <laughs> And the worst people, who are the people who aren't even in good shape and putting out bad <laughs> But I think it's, it's like uh, everyone's, it seems like as, as the industry is moving, perhaps it's more familiar face over the years, but everyone's kind of maturing at the same time in that from a self-worth point of view, I know we've had discussions around this, like self-worth shouldn't necessarily be a discussion around body positivity and reflective of how you look as a person. It's people are detaching those two two ideals in that self-worth isn't attached to how they look so people are now acknowledging that you can be hugely influential and have a ton of knowledge and experience and not walk around in a six with a six-pack 24 7 mm. and actually i think it's going more the other way whereas so i like i was almost cringing out that i purple picture in a bikini like, I didn't really want to put it up. <laughs> I'm almost anti, like, anti that stuff now. Like, I hardly ever put stuff yeah. up my kit off. What and a weird I, statement. And Sorry, actually, guys. Jamie mentioned this as well. Like, he was getting um, some photos taken with his photographer, and he'd said, I think he wanted him to take his top off and, like, get a picture with his arms out. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Cause it's basically exactly against what I've just been speaking about, which is it not yeah, being more about Yeah, you're more than a set of abs. Yeah, exactly. And... It, 
and I've definitely found that for myself like I know that putting up pictures of me looking lean or in the gym or like an ab selfie or something will probably like it will get definitely get a lot of likes but actually realistically it'll probably get me more business but I still don't mm. want to do it anymore but you know that I, I guess this is a, a topic we all talk about as well it's your your own personal values and integrity mm. and all that in, in line that it's people throw around integrity as a buzzword but it's your actions out of the public eye yeah take that as well but i have to i have to really struggle you know to, to not put up pictures of my abs as well but i usually <laughs> i usually just just manage by the skin of my teeth to restrain myself it's what it's what the fans <laughs> want though so i just have to you know no one can contest your ice cream or you know food reviews mike that's true no but do you sometimes feel like people misinterpret that and like we were saying before even if they've interpreted wrong it's still to some extent or i still feel to some extent that it's my responsibility that they don't interpret it wrong or that even if they are interpreting wrong it's still my responsibility i think i think that's a really interesting concept and i think the difficulty is everybody who um who reads something reads it from a different background from a different perspective and from a different day that they've had that day and we've all had the situation where something's happened to us and we've posted a post on social media that is basically, we, although we haven't explicitly said it, it's very specific to that event that's happened today. And that's what you're thinking about. But when somebody reads it, they're interpreting it in the context of something that's happened to them that day. And there have been times when I've been called up on, on, and people said, oh, but what about this? And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. I didn't actually say that's what I was talking about. I didn't say that was a, a post about, you know, X, Y or Z. So... Sometimes I think we, we we post like conceptual information that is very, very applicable in different ways to different people. And one thing that I would liken it to is that there are a lot of people on the internet who think they need to lose weight who don't need to lose weight. And there are a lot of people on the internet who think they don't need to lose weight and do need to lose weight. And that is what makes giving out any messages on things like weight loss very contentious because often the messages are picked up by the wrong people like we've mentioned before um and that's when that's when you know messages can yeah be... so i think like the, that's a sort of the perfect example and people who maybe do need to lose weight are more you know attracted to something like intuitive eating where someone's saying actually you have an unconditional um, permission to eat permission to eat and which like I do agree with but I don't know they're, they're like oh I you know I can eat whatever I want however much I want I know that's not the exact message at all but that's how it's sort of perceived to them and oh I've had such bad experiences dieting in the past that I'm going to resonate with that message a bit more whereas the people who do need to listen to it are the people who probably don't need to lose any more weight and probably need to be a little bit mm. less anal with tracking yeah. and and have a bit more um, freedom with food and feel a little bit less restrained in that sense, probably don't resonate as much yeah. with that message, even though actually, ideally, those are the people that... It's and and most things most. that are not inherently negative or positive, the dangers in the dosage, and, and, and most things are on a spectrum, and the spectrum is set at different levels for different people. So, you know, you can talk... It's that pendulum swing, Yeah, isn't and it? you can talk about weight loss or something, and that's... Actually, like Alex Crockford did a really interesting post about this quite recently, actually, about he was talking about um, times when he was extremely lean and he was 
saying, you know, these were the positives of me being extremely lean and these were the negatives of me being extremely lean. And I feel a bit uncomfortable about speaking about some of these positives and negatives because I know that other people have had very opposite experiences. But I don't think that anything is 100% positive or 100% negative. There are positives and negatives mm. to everything. And I think that's something, the thi- sometimes the thing that we forget is that that's what, and that's why people interpret stuff differently. And, you know, to, to bring it back a little bit to the context of IFS, I've heard a lot of people kind of criticise James Smith for, for, for sort of for the calorie deficit message. Um, and I often think that that is in some ways a misunderstanding or a misconstruing of that message. But because the message is very blunt and direct, I think some people interpret it as him saying, oh, you know, it's just a calorie deficit. What, you know, what are you complaining about? When actually what I feel the message is with the calorie deficit is that that's a message to to professionals to to stop selling pointless detox drinks to stop over over complicating the process of fat loss and making it harder for clients who want to lose fat um, and it's also a message to people to stop buying into things that that are you know over complicating mm. it and making it harder for them he's not trying to say it's really easy I think he recognises well, just about- as much as anyone else that it isn't an easy thing to achieve. It's just that that's what you've got to achieve. You don't need to worry about all of the other minutiae that often people sell along with it. Yeah, so, sorry, Mark, I nearly inter- interrupt you there. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like I've never, and you know, the, uh, amongst the circles, we certainly socialise in and the, what we expose ourselves to, but I've never heard James say it's easy. Okay, occasionally you might say it's simple, which we, we, you know, we can all agree on. It's a simple concept. But none of us are saying it's an easy, exactly. easy thing to achieve, exactly. you know, and that's the most important thing out of that. Yeah, and I, but I think, yeah, and I think what's important about that message and why I like that message is it helps people understand why yeah. this is working. So they might say, oh, do you know what intermittent fasting works for me? But I'm well because aware that it's deficit. just because it's mm. helping me. And if it stops a, working for me, I don't and have to. This is I don't really have funny. To carry on doing it because that's the only thing that works for me. Like that's the that's the, the thing that is important. Sorry, carry on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, look, I sorry, but this just popped up because I have notifications for certain studies. But it says clinical trial shows that alternate day fasting is a safe alternative to calorie restriction. <laughs> alternative is not the same. Yeah, no, it's not a different yeah, way of achieving reduced oh, okay. calories. It's that's an alternative. An um, yeah, but yeah, that's it's just not. It's not a sexy sale, is it? You know, and that, that's the thing with all these well-marketed products. They're they're far more sexier, far more attractive, and it's that pill that it, yeah. you know that people want to buy and buy into. Interesting. But you can still like maybe not sell these things, but you know, promote these things and say that low carb worked for me or whatever works for me but you know that the underlying principle is because you create yeah. that negative yeah. energy balance and the method that you use to achieve that as mike's saying as well it could be different for me compared to mike but it also could be different for me this week compared to next week and i can use different methods if and when i choose depending on exactly what my life's like and yeah. but i think that, that there are still that a lot of people who still don't realize that that's why it's working and that's that i think that's what's worrying is that is that there are people who still have a very specific agenda in terms of promoting a particular ideology that they've bought into, um, and that is always a bit a bit of a concern. I, I feel the biggest concern to stress there as well is you've got people with massive influence um, and authority figures. Would it be fair to say there are a few doctors out there as well with some 
questionable approaches. Well, like, there's tons I of mean, fitness to, to give you an example of, of a doctor with that sort of approach, um, let's go back to me a couple of years ago. Like I did paleo. I got great results with paleo in a month. Oh, I thought you were going to say well, something. Yeah, we wanted controversy. Well, let's go back to me. <laughs> I, you know, I very easily bought into an ideology because it was something that worked for me. And I very easily was convinced by people who told me this, that that is what it is. And sadly, there were times when, you know, my authority was involved in saying, yeah, this this diet's great. Like, try it. And fortunately, I was lucky enough to, um, you know, to be open minded enough still to listen to other people who told me what I was getting wrong and 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 change my point of view on it but I think I think it's very unusual not to play my own trumpet but it is very unusual for people to to be self-critical and self-analytical and to accept criticism and I, I think yes you're absolutely right there are doctors who are staunchly in support of very specific diet types um, that I think whether whether consciously or unconsciously have um overstated evidence um and I, I wouldn't i would never state intent when it comes to that so it may well be unconscious it may well be that they have they just simply disagree on the interpretation of the evidence but i feel that there's a lot of overwhelming evidence to the contrary of a lot of ideologies that they yeah. are it depends but, whether so you've published the book you said, you've got an agenda or you know a certain ideology yeah. is attached to your name on instagram or something like that yeah i, I don't I don't agree with that. They've interpreted it a different way. I think they're just so bought into the ideology that they, they can't possibly change their opinion on Do you know that what? because I, that I, is them. I genuinely and it, co- it will cost them money. Yeah, but I struggle I struggle to believe that about people and I, that might just be my own naivety and I, I, you know, if it is, then so be it. But I would, I would struggle. I don't think there's... A, the, my point is there's no excuse. If you're of an... Like, you know, if you're a doctor... There's no excuse. Now, I don't think it's about being more open-minded. I actually think it's about being more critical. So if you had been more critical of paleo initially, you would have probably never got into it. And it, I think it's less about being open-minded to to like change your mind, given another potential approach, and more about just and being I wonder more critical if of that I, approach. Do you know what? I, I love okay, savage like, ESG. Why is if I changed my working? name to the paleo GP when, when I went Hi. paleo and found benefits in it, then would I have had more of a pressure on myself to remain that way? Maybe not, but maybe I would have been therefore more surrounded. Publish the book, you would be. I would, I would have been more surrounded by more people <laughs> who believed what I was saying as well. And I think that's half of the issue yeah. is that there are enough people who believe those ideologies to, that you end up in an echo chamber. And at the end of the day, if I was called paleo GP, then all of a lot of the um, the more critical, open-minded people would probably unfollow me and then I would be left with a lot of people who were paleo supporters who would be like, oh, look at this study. This study's great. And when you're in that echo chamber, I think it's very difficult. I do. I do. Um, you know, in terms of whether there's an excuse, I think I feel like intent does come into it because I think we all make mistakes. But I think if you've got people telling you you are getting something seriously, seriously wrong, you have to step back from it and go, hang on a minute. Um, and I think yeah. that we if if this many people are questioning what yeah. I'm doing I've got, I've got to review this but I'm sorry but if it's your job as well like even let's say for maybe a GP but like a, a trainer or a nutritionist or something it's your job to be good at that it's your job to know that research yeah and like I don't think there's an excuse there and you know the the only excuse you have is naivety and I don't think that stands up 
I accept. Yeah, and it, I think this we've all got a huge responsibility when it comes to CPD as well. And it's such a fast evolving thing. If you're not going to CPD events and you're not invested in your own education, which is something I feel that all PTs should do, and probably GPs, Mike. I mean, just going on personal experience, that's how you and I met, wasn't it, originally? You know, because you, you, know, you showed such an interest in it. Um, if you're not constantly reinvesting in yourself or you're not showing an interest in the latest studies or you're not learning from people that know more than you, then quite frankly, you're probably in the wrong business. Because you've got to be open to having your mind change. You've got to be. Because things do change. Things do evolve. Exactly. But do they? Like, what's really... What's changed? There might be new, like, methods and principles and stuff. But, but some people... I think I heard someone on a panel today saying, oh, you know, it's really hard to keep up with nutrition research because it's changing so much. And actually, I'm not sure that that's I think attitudes are changing, true. but I, you're right. I don't think that the research is particularly yeah. changing. And I mean, there might be some stuff here and now in there about, like... And I mean, I mean specifically for weight loss or fat yeah. loss, not about, yeah, there's some really cool and interesting research about the gut microbiome and, you know, things like that. But in terms of weight loss, it's not like, yeah, I mean, oh, there's a brand new study yeah. showing something the, the completely fun, different. The fundamental stick, I think, is in terms of what we've been exposed to, because, you know, we've given the example before, 10 years ago, you was in that little echo chamber where only a few people had their voices heard and they have pretty convincing arguments. So... Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going back seven years or maybe eight years now. I bought Gary Torbs' book. Oh, yeah. I bought a book um, that, what was it called? The Diabetes Solution or something like that. And I, like, convinced myself I should just stop eating carbs forever. Yeah, but I so think that's a problem as well with books is that it's very one-sided. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the benefits of this amazing podcast because we will call each other out or question each other. Yeah. Yeah. Sassy ESG. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about me. No, I love um, it. But it's not just like one person's opinion. It's actually, oh, okay, that's a good point. But yeah. have yeah. you considered this side? Yeah. Excellent. So to summarise, would you go back? Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, very much so. so. Yeah. IFS, if you're listening, you've got three attendees next year because I am not yeah. putting myself... Well, I'm not putting myself through it again, quite frankly. Did you have FOMO? Yeah, I don't get FOMO usually, but I did have FOMO this time. I think it was more so because you got you two were going and I wasn't. I well. even had FOMO when. But I also, was a lot there. of our get a lot of our guests that have been on and that we hope to get on in the future uh, were there as well. So yeah, cool. So, see you next year. <laughs> yeah, no more recordings, guys. See you next year. Um, yeah, but that was really insightful for me. Is there anything you guys wanted to finish on? No. I just wanted no. to say a big thanks to all of the people that did awesome talks and awesome panels. Oh, and great. Now I look Yeah, back. I know. Um, well, I wanted to personally <laughs> thank um, the organisers and Peter oh, you know, like, but Thank you. I, I, I went to this event worried that I would feel a bit out of place um, and I found it to be incredibly welcoming um, and I thought that all of the people... all of, There were people there with absolutely enormous followings, people there with, you know, with proper fans. And they were very gracious and very kind and very welcoming to everybody and made everyone feel at home and like part of the, the crew. And there was, you couldn't tell the difference between people who were there to work or to speak and people who were there to enjoy it. And I thought that was really, really heartwarming. Yeah. And people said some great I, stuff I like... on, on the like on the panels. I was so impressed by, by the quality of the kind of stuff that people said. And these were people... 
you know, who were nervous about going on these panels and, and saying stuff. And, and I thought that the content was really great. And I, I, I tried to make a point of going up to them as individuals and uh, telling them that that's what I thought, which felt a bit patronising and a bit brown nosy, but I didn't care because I thought it was important to say it as I think it is now. I would agree. I think it was it was nice and humbling to see that people with such big followings were just like normal people and they didn't behave in any different way. However, how you'd hope them to be? Nor yeah, nor like should nor they. should they. Yeah. like you know, it, if oh, they are know, just dad, people. My dad doesn't have Instagram. You're no one to like. Yeah. You know, you're you're not no one. You are just person. the person that yeah, you exactly. are, yeah. which is you know, and I think that's how it should be. Like it's very easy to get stuck in these bubbles and be like, oh my God, that's so yeah. easy with like so many followers. And we, and it's like... We put people cares? on a pedestal, don't we? And we forget they are just yeah. people and a lot of them are very grounded and But normal. sometimes those people forget that they're just people as well. And this was what I liked about this is that these weren't people who did that. You know, there were people who I met yeah, exactly, who I, yeah. and I didn't know who they were when I was chatting to them. And after they went, somebody told me who they were. And I would never have guessed that they were a person with, you know hundreds of thousands of followers because they didn't behave like um like that mm. they were you know not that not that you like you say not that they should yeah cool well, all right perfect yeah i mean i've got nothing to reflect on in terms of the ifs except for i will be there next year probably awesome. hopefully definitely but we are like 45 episodes in now which is 50 we're approaching is quite a significant number so i did sincerely just want to thank all of our listeners because we did stupidly start this as like three people just recording on their phone i mean i remember recording episodes sitting in my car outside of work so i could use the wi-fi so and we're, now we're, we're three f- people recording on a laptop <laughs> yeah how Ooh. things have changed no but g- genuinely on every little share band. or review um Everyone that takes the time to go on iTunes, it does genuinely mean so, so much. So if you do enjoy the podcast, please continue to do that. Um, and all your ratings, that helps bump, bump us up the list. And yeah, do you know what? Against some quite big I people. See, I didn't see any um, anyone else getting the same like Instagram feedback and tagging in stories and stuff as we do. So it's massively appreciated. Yeah, thank you so much, mm. everybody. We do. Maybe they don't and share I love them. And people's <laughs> like, take, take homes and yeah. things like that. Like, oh, you know what? It was... We have to, I think, I when you said whatever. we should give a little shout out to Maria, who always does a little uh, take home. Oh my post. God, I know. It's always amazing. my plan. Her summary is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so thank you, Maria. Maria, thank you. You are awesome. This will tell us yes. whether she really listens to the whole episode <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, that, right. Has she logged end. off by now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, guys. Excellent. Peace out. Peace out. Peace.